My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Remember those zany years when you were first discovering sexual pleasure and sexual desires? I imagine for some of you, porn was involved. For today's guest, Porn he saw in his youth wasn't only enticing from a personal standpoint, but a gateway for what would turn out to be a significant career. He even went on to write a book about it. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin. Today, we're going to talk about the adult film industry from a male porn star's perspective, social stigmas around sex work, what it's like to date a porn star, and what to do if you feel iffy about your partner's porn star work, and more with Logan Pierce and a fun Ask Dr. Megan segment. Today's episode is brought to you in part by The Pleasure Chest, my favorite place to shop for sexual health products, toys, and all kinds of cool stuff. If you're in L.A., New York City, or Chicago, visit a store not only to shop, but to attend their free, free, free workshops. Otherwise, head to thepleasurechest.com or click their ad on my website, augustmclaughlin.com. While you're on my site, remember to sign up for those email updates. You'll get a personal note from me about once a month. They feature events and freebies and behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm also super excited that my book is coming out soon. You can order Girl Boner, the book, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and you'll get it once it uh, comes out on August 7th. Search on either site or go to augustmclaughlin.com forward slash books. Now, I'm so pleased to welcome Logan Pierce to the show. Logan is a prominent L.A.-based performer who's recently published his first of an intended three-book series, loosely chronicling his time spent in and out of the industry. He's been nominated for multiple awards, including Best Actor at the 2018 AVN Awards. In 2013, he was named AVN's Best Male Newcomer and XRCO's Best New Stud and was listed as one of Bustle's seven best male porn stars. That's a lot of bests. He was also the focus of the 2015 Elite Daily Insight documentary, and his writing has been published in Elite Daily, Total Frat Move, and Huffington Post Germany. You can find his blog at whoislogan.com. Thank you so much for joining me, Logan. Thank you for having me, August. It's a pleasure to be here. I really enjoyed your book, Between the Sheets. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Could you share a little bit about your early years. You wrote in the book about discovering porn on a tape. It was your brother's. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you said that you were too ashamed to whack off at first. Like you felt like that was definitely not a good idea. And you referenced some some church related guilts. Yeah, it was a big no no. Um going being raised Irish Catholic and going to church every Sunday and going to CCD, uh it was made apparent to me very early on that sex is reserved for marriage and masturbation is something that should be avoided at all costs so being that young and and discovering porn that's hidden away in a box with an unmarked tape you know i already knew that there was something mysterious about it and something that you know it was stimulating but i knew it was bad 
I knew that the door should be closed, the volume should be turned low, and I should be very careful about be getting caught, you know. Which made it more enticing in some ways too, right? It's like if you put a hot plate of cookies out and you're like, don't eat those. All you want to do is eat those. Of course, yeah, yeah. You're drawn to what you can't have or when when something's kept away from you, you're you're more interested. Like you want to know why and, and what is so, you know, enticing about it. So you said that in your book you said that you would sneak off or want to sneak off to confessional for reconciliation. Yeah. Did you ever actually do that? <laughs> no, I wish. Because I, I was wondering. I was like, I wish I could hear how that conversation went down. No, no. It's just boyhood fantasies, you know, because even though I, I did go to church for most of my childhood, I never fully embraced religion. And just sitting in that class, like I'm sure most of, of my, my fellow classmates did, we, we just wanted to be someplace else. So I would just sit there and, you know, draw in my book and just fantasize, just pass the time until the bell rang and we could get the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it would be really interesting if there were confessionals that weren't religious or even just sexual confessional mm. booths where people could, which I kind of feel like we are those confessionals. I'm sure people tell you yeah. their secrets. People oh, tell me their secrets. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Strangers love to just confide in me. and As soon as they find me, out what you do. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. And it, it's bizarre, too, because... They're questions that they would never ask a friend or or a family member, but because of what I do, you know, 60 seconds after after meeting me, they start just unloading on me, and they expect me to What's have an, an answer for What's an example of a question that you might get? Oh, God, I don't know if I have one on the quick draw, but just broadly, like, I will be at a bar, and this happens every once in a while where I'll, I'll be standing at the bar waiting for a drink, and someone will bump into me. And they'll recognize me. Usually it's a man. And right away, the second they realize who I am, they will just go into a tirade about who their favorite performers are and, and what they love to do alone at home. And, you know, like, like oh, my God, my, I want to do this so badly. How can I get in? How can I convince my girlfriend to let me do it? And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, man. You're <laughs> like, like, dude, I, I am an, I'm a performer. It's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like well, <laughs> I don't know your relationship. Yeah, and and my whole um, involvement with the industry is I I would chalk it up to luck, really, just being persistent and being at the right place at the right time. You know, I didn't know anyone. I didn't enter through like a back door, so to speak. I just emailed people, and someone decided that they liked my look enough to give me a shot, and here I am, six years later. It's it's now my day job. So it's yeah. it's often a mystery to me. Like people are looking for like what is what is the answer? What what is the secret? And I say like I I don't know. There's no linear path. Yeah, just like all creative arts. I feel like yeah. porn performing, acting, modeling, musicians, like whatever you do in the arts. Mm -hmm. Some people do just get a door opened because they know somebody, but then other people they just keep working at it. Yeah, yeah, and then opportunity arises, and if you're willing to to take a shot, then. Hey, maybe it'll work out. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I know that you obviously got over that uh, not thinking you should masturbate shame, right? Yeah, very quickly. Very, very quickly. quickly <laughs> and it became something you were pretty passionate about. And you engaged quite quite a bit and also read a lot of erotic novels and stuff like that. Yeah. And that all eventually led to, you know, watching more online porn and then to the decision to put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. Do you remember a moment or an experience when you were like, wait, I actually don't just want to watch this. I want to be in this. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, 
I don't know if there's like one moment where where I thought, wow, this this can be a reality. I need to make this happen. But from you know, the from when I first started watching it, I I always wanted to participate in it because of just how I felt watching it. I was completely stimulated. You know, I was arrested. My mind was just a singular track, and and that's all I wanted. So I, I wanted to experience it on the other side. I wanted to know. If if it was as liberating to actually create it mm. as it is to consume it, because they were your heroes in some ways. It's like that's what you sure. were watching, who you were looking up to, sure. and, um, among yeah. other people. You know, like yeah. my whole childhood wasn't consumed by porn, but it was. Oh, it was it was prevalent, and, A big part and of it. it was always on the back of my mind. Yeah, yeah. I was really struck by. The drug use that you talk about, I, first of all, I love your openness. I think mm-hmm. it's really cool how you you share, it seems like a really open, honest account of, yeah. of your experience. Um, the good parts, the happy parts, the amazing parts, and the really dark parts, too. And the dark parts, yeah. There's yeah. always a flip side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as someone who, like, I've literally never smoked anything. I always am really interested. No. Wow. No. Like, I've had pretty heavy-duty secondhand smoke. I don't think that counts for anything. <laughs> I actually, sure, I, I used sure. to be in the uh, fashion industry, and for a photo shoot, I had to hold a cigarette. Like, and what What is this thing? <laughs> right. And at, well, yeah, at first they were like, you do not look natural. Um, but afterwards, I was so, I kept wanting, like, I have such an addictive personality mm-hmm. that I'm like, I don't even want to go there. Uh, but for, for you, it was really interesting to read about some of those experiences with, like, shrooms and stuff like that. Yeah. Were you ever scared? Because for me, a lot of the time it was like, I saw a lot of drugs and I was just like, I have no idea what that is and I want to keep living. Um, but you really kind of, your roommates were much more into the drugs, it seemed like, but you kind of were like, okay, were you scared? Uh, yeah, yeah. My first time. I mean, even even before the psychedelics, like smoking weed was very scary the first time I did it. But it was just one of those things where I'm just very curious. So it was presented to me. I was in high school and... I was, I think I was behind my, uh, my good friend's house, you know, me and a couple people and like we smoked a joint and moments after, like I was just overcome with a wave of paranoia and I was like, oh my God, I have to go home. I have to shower. I have to wash my clothes. I'm so scared right now. And yeah, yeah, I was very, 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 uh, very scared, very nervous, but you know, you, you get over it. And, and same thing with the shrooms, you know, the first time I did it, it wasn't planned. It was just on a whim. Someone said, hey, I have these. Would you like to do it? And I said, yeah, why not? I've, I've never done it before. And, hey, I'm, you know, I think I was 20 at the time, maybe 19. But, you know, I'm in college. Hey, I'm at a party. Let's have fun. Let's just Yeah, you feel a little invincible, too. So it's not like I think as we gain years and maturity, we kind of like might think about, oh, we've seen people have bad effects or whatever. But yeah. at that age, it's kind of like. Why not? Exactly. I mean, my first time was terrifying. It was an absolute nightmare, and I still think about it a lot. And and this is why I, I don't really do – I mean, I don't do them, period. I don't do any psychedelics. I don't do any hard drugs. Is mainly because of that first experience is – I mean, I was transported into, like, a post-apocalyptic hell. It was awful. And I was yeah. the only one on them. So everyone else was kind of, like, laughing and – you know, thinking that I'm just being paranoid, but in my mind, I'm seeing all these visuals. I'm feeling this fear and 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 pain, and everyone's face is just warped. And it was it was like four hours of like the worst time of my life. Yeah, that'll um, be enough to scare you to not potentially because you could yeah. 
hurt yourself in that space or somebody else. If, if I didn't have my friends with me, you know, looking out for me, absolutely. Who knows what would have happened? I couldn't even walk straight. I had no idea where I was. But, you know, after that experience, meeting people who who were able to overcome and control the drug, um, the cool kids who I met in L.A., they were able to kind of like talk me down from that and, and show me that they can be fun. You know, there there is a purpose to taking them. And if you're with like-minded people who, who understand how to control it, then you're bound to have a, a if not a good experience, a better experience than than if you were alone. Sure. You know, yeah. W- without guidance. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That support must be really important for sure. You mentioned wondering if the porn performers were having the same kind of transformative experience mm-hmm. that you were as a watcher. Did you find that to be the case? How different or similar was that? Uh, I absolutely think that's the case. I mean, for me, you know, there there is a natural high that is achieved from, you know, the execution of a perfect scene. Because for the most part, it's two strangers coming together to have this very intimate experience. And sure, we, we talk about it. And of course, we're professional, you know, quote unquote professionals. So we know what's expected of us, but anything can really happen. So it's really just a matter of feeding off of each other's body language and 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 having like a good flow, like an Im- improvisational dance, and then doing it in a way where we're putting on a show. You know, there are people capturing this moment. They're immortalizing this experience. So it's, it's intense. It, it is intense. But like even explaining it now, I'm like, wow, it feels really great to do it. And, and in a lot of ways, um, there are few experiences like it. You know, uh, I mean, having sex for one is an amazing, an amazing experience. Um, but doing it and and putting on a show is it's another level to it. Yeah, and the fact that you are primarily improvising—it's not like acting yeah. where you are provided a full script typically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, insofar as dialogue, you know, maybe fifty-fifty will have a script, but you know, uh, once again, quote unquote script. Plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of this is <laughs> it's just minutia to get us to the meat, which is the sex. Yeah, yeah. How long do a lot of these shoots take? I didn't quite get that sense. I know that it probably varies quite a bit, but how many hours yeah. would you put in? Um it really does vary, you know. There are certain days like last week, for example, I had um two shoots where I, the second I stepped foot on set to the moment I, I got my check afterward, it was under two hours. Wow. So it was really like, hey, how you doing? Hi, my name is Logan. It's a pleasure to meet you. Oh, oh, you guys are ready? Okay. Hey, let's jump into it. And and then we go. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, just zero to a hundred so quickly. And then before you know it, it's over. And I'm just like wondering like, wow, did I did I work today? Like, this is this is like I took a lunch break. What what happened? This yeah. does not feel like work, you know. And some days are like that. Some days are like vacations, and I feel like, wow, I am so lucky to to have this opportunity and and to really just have a job that I love doing. But on the flip side, um, which you've read about in the book, there are some days where your body just 
it isn't aligned with your mind, and and the energy on set just isn't as positive as 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 you want it to be, and you and your partner just aren't fully on the same page, and and then all of a sudden, sex becomes work, and which isn't good for the erection. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. I no, remember awful. in the book where you went to go see Doctor Ross. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, fictional character. You know, all the names have been changed, of course. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? it makes sense that if you're doing a big, long shoot day, or even if you're having a short shoot, but all of those complications are coming mm-hmm. in, you talk about there's like this kind of ice queen yeah, persona yeah, yeah. that you were working with, and it was just mm-hmm. you weren't being treated well, and you were just like, this is not going to happen. And the doctor seemed to know exactly what to do. Could you mm-hmm. tell us? what it's like to, to use Viagra and kind of kind of how that all works into being somebody with a penis in porn. Yeah. Well, a lot of people assume that if you if you take it, uh, you you have this uh, magnum sized direction instantly and there's nothing you can do to get rid of it. But really, all it does is just facilitate blood flow if your mind is in the right place, if you concentrate it and you're relaxed. You know, if you think about it too much, which has happened to me and which is also in the book, and you just you're you're so worried about performing and, and getting hard, which is a weird place to find yourself, the drug will not work. It'll backfire and you'll just be sweating bullets, your face is just completely flushed, your veins are throbbing, and it it's not working out. The movies get it wrong. I mean every co- <laughs> comic scene with Viagra is like I yeah, just saw like, one. They pull over, they pull somebody over who just took it. He gets mm-hmm. out of the car, and everyone's like, "Whoa!" It's yeah. like so uncontrollable. But actually, if a police officer pulled you over, you probably it would wilt. Probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, you would look suspicious because you'd be sweating and mm-hmm. <laughs> your face would be incredibly red. But yeah, it, I mean, it, it's not like this magic pill that that everyone claims it to be. Yeah. Um, but in the business, it's it's a necessary evil. You know, everyone expects that. A male performer at least has it uh, in in their in in their uh, in their bag or whatever in case they need it. You know, it's just expected of you to to have you it have on to hand. Be able to to perform. At the end of the day, it isn't about my pleasure. You know, it isn't about me having this really personal, intimate experience. It is about creating a product. So sometimes you you have to do what is necessary to create that product. Yeah. You know? it, yeah. We we are vessels. So if we can't get the job done, oh, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to go home and we're going to get someone else. There's you know? such a good lesson in that for anyone around sex as well, where if you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to perform, I feel like that interferes with yeah. all kinds of sex. It's it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not yeah. going to happen. If you over, I mean, sex is so natural and, and, uh, if you overthink it, then it's just not not going to happen. You need to clear your mind. You need to just focus on on your body and your partner's body and just kind of free flow, have fun. Absolutely, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And and like I said, being when you turn it when you turn a fantasy into a day job, now all of a sudden you have to turn it on. You don't really get the opportunity to to let things naturally happen. You have to be on when. When they want you to be, because no matter what kind of day you're having, you know you've yeah. been, going, been going through a personal crisis, and it's, Every, the job must go on. Exactly, everything outside of the parameters of the scene have to disappear, and and for those, you know, 
30 minutes to two hours, however long you're actually performing, that's all that matters during that time. So that's probably a muscle you build too. Oh, of course. Just to be able to snap, turn it on. Yeah, able to uh, adopt blinders and just... It's getting into character, but it's (laughs) actually getting into character and physicality. I mean... Yeah, it's meditative, you know? You really just have to clear your mind, slow your breathing, and and just flow with it. So I would love to talk to you a little bit about interpersonal relationships you talk about in your book as well. Starting with a question that we have from a listener that is very relevant. This came from Raina, who wrote this. I'm dating a guy I'm crazy about and learned a few dates in that he works in adult films as a performer. Rationally and ethically, I have no problem with that. I support sex workers and my brain wants to be okay with this, but emotionally I'm struggling. That he is sexual with other people feels hurtful. I really like him and want to continue this relationship, and I'm afraid he'll think I'm a prude or anti-sex work or really insecure. Am I? I feel really conflicted. What can I do? Raina, thank you so much for your question. I think it has a lot of um, important takeaways for people in all kinds of situations. Here's what Dr. Megan Fleming of GreatLifeGreatSex.com had to say. Raina, thank you so much for your question. And... I guess I want to just say that I certainly can appreciate that it's not every day that we find a guy that we're crazy about, right? That when that happens, um, the, you know, there's an appreciation and there's just sort of a desire to live in the moment and sort of see where things go. Um, that being said, you know, it's also not every day that we find a potential partner or somebody we're dating who works in adult films or who is a sex worker. And so um, I think it's really important that even when uh, you intellectually and sort of all parts of you, potentially all parts of you are completely fine and support any individual's personal choice to make a living in the sex worker industry doesn't equal that you're, you're potentially okay with that, right? So it's just like, you know, some of us are monogamous, some of us aren't, some of us are jealous, uh, some of us aren't, and only you know what does or, you know, will or won't work for you. And so I really want you to honor sort of these feelings and thoughts that are bubbling up um, to really understand what is that struggle about um, for you personally, because, listen, I think often our negative feelings are kind of like hot potatoes and we just kind of want to get rid of them. Um and yet they really are messengers, right? They're trying to tell you something. And, you know, my sense is I, I can completely imagine he would not at all be surprised or think, importantly, that you're prudish. Um, because I'm also willing to bet you're not the first uh, partner or potential woman that he's dated that struggled with this and the meaning of his work to a personal relationship. Um, and I'm also sort of assuming that any conflict or struggle that you're having is even after that you've already know you're practicing safe sex and protecting your own sexual health. So, you know, when you ask me the question, so in a sense, should you say you don't have a problem? Um, I resoundingly, wholeheartedly say no, because you clearly do. You have some feelings around this. Um, and it's really important that we do honor our thoughts, feelings, and what our body is telling us. Because when we don't, uh, it's not uncommon that those thoughts or feelings start to bubble up in other places or just sort of get bigger or louder. So... Listen, I don't know uh, how long he's been in the industry. I don't know uh, whether 
he's ever considered, you know, any aspects um, in terms of producing, directing, and not being an actor or performer, and even if so, whether or not you, if you feel differently about that. But I think so long as he's personally choosing to work as a performer, you have to really be honest with yourself whether that works for you and, and what feelings you have around it. And I can just say that um, I really can imagine you're not alone and how you feel about something personally in no way is indicative of your making any kind of judgment or being prudish because I think I really want you to let go of any thoughts around that. So I hope this helps. And as always, love to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. Everyone find more about Megan at greatlifegreatsex.com. Logan, I loved in your book the fact that you approached this subject with a lot of compassion, I thought, both for you had a girlfriend when you started Mm -hmm. into the business. And there was a moment where you realized you were really going to pursue porn and you revealed it to her and, and she wanted to accept it. She seemed like she kind of did and, and was supportive and, and there were some complexities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the idea of doing it is, is a lot different than the reality of doing it. You know, like when you, when you think of a fantasy, you're like, wow, that, that could be really hot. Wow. You know, it would be, you know, it would, it would be nice to see you with, with other women that would, that would turn me on. But then the reality of, of actually doing it all of a sudden now, um, a lot of emotions and, and complexities are, are thrown into the mix and and you feel very torn about it. And from my even my own experience, like being in the business, you know, I, I've had a number of relationships where both my partner and I were performers, but I would I would still feel those same feelings of, of jealousy and inadequacy if if I knew that she was having an experience that, you know, she was thoroughly enjoying. And I'm like, well, do I do I do that same thing for her, or or how does how does she feel then when I when I go to work and and I have a good day? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's something that over time I've grown a lot more comfortable with because yeah. experiencing it for the first time is is new and unusual. But once it becomes normal day to day, not so strange, then you become more comfortable with it. You see that in the book too. You write about your work in a very this is my job. Wait. Yeah. I mean, you love it, mm-hmm. but it's not like salacious. You know what I mean? It's it's a very, this is what I was experiencing. And you take us through this journey, but it's not just like, look what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't really want to. I mean, I could have easily gone down that path and been like, yeah, I am. Look look at me and look how 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 amazing I am. You know, admire me. But that's, that's not the truth. You know, like for sure, anyone watching porn – they they will undoubtedly fantasize about what that life must be like, but the reality of it is it's mundane. It's just like any other life. Just our our work is just a little more playful, a little <laughs> more fun, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe a little more interesting. But outside of that, we still have this it's still a job. Yeah, we still have the same same problems that everyone else does. Yeah, yeah. But um, if, if I could, can I speak Please. on on your um? Raina, yeah. Raina's question. Um, that that is a very difficult thing to to. Sorry, I'm trying to gather my thoughts on that. It um, is. It's it's very layered. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I, I would I would offer is, com- like as, as the doctor said, communicate your your problems and and bring them to the surface and and think about 
why you feel a certain way. I mean, I understand why she would feel that way because if you're if you are monogamous, but your partner is monogamish, you know, it like he's going to work. He is having sex, but sex does not equate love. And being in the business, it is just our job. You know, after after a scene, you just go home. You say, you shake hands, you, you hug each other, say, that was great. Maybe we'll work together again. And then, then you go back to your life. It's like love scenes and kissing scenes in movies and TV, but taken to a whole new level. You know, where that's their job, and yeah. then they go home. And you occasionally hear about people meet on set and they're but then they're more sequestered like I feel like actors when they go off to an island and they record you know they film a movie together Mm -hmm. it's not like you're going in for a shoot and then you know yeah I mean they're gone for six weeks you know we're gone for six hours and emotional intimacy can't build up in six hours no it can't it can't it's it's just a release of, of energy and then then you, like I said, then the blinders go away and, and real life floods back in mm-hmm. and you you return to, you you drop the porno persona. Mm, yeah. And, you know, your stage name goes to bed and then <laughs> the real person comes back. How different is your personal you and your stage persona? Um, for me, I, I, I get asked that a lot and, and I, I don't think there's much of a distinction to be made, you know, I don't change who I am or how I act yeah. when I'm on set. People just refer to me as a different name. Um, but I don't do anything that I wouldn't do in my private life. So you're not you thinking, know? I am now going to sit in this new character who happens to be a plumber. That's a terrible <laughs> example. Really cliche. Um, but Oh, well, when it know, comes to a scene you, like that, yes, I am method all the way. You are. Okay. <laughs> so you can you can go into these different characters, but but yeah. you as a whole performer. Yeah, nothing nothing really changes. Okay. Um, you practice plunging at home first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, I have to really get into the mindset. I'll follow um, a plumber around for a couple weeks and get used to how they operate so I can think like them. And then they're like, what are you doing? Well, I'm getting ready for my porn mm, scene. I'm, I'm studying. It's important. It's important. So you also talk very openly, which I respect, about sexual health and um, ended up getting uh, an STD, yeah. gonorrhea, which I feel like, like you said, it in your perspective, it's something that's inevitable. I think when you're having a lot of sex in general, right? Because over 50% of people... Mm-hmm. It's more likely that one will get an STI at some point than not. Yeah, of course. In, in it, life. It's just a numbers game. Yeah, and mm-hmm. but there's so few conversations around it. Do you feel like it's, I guess, I don't know how you'd know, uh, but do you feel like it's a lot more prevalent in the adult film industry simply because you're having a lot more sexual experiences? Mm, maybe not as prevalent, but when it does happen, it, I mean, of course, in my life, I am very tapped into that world. So when it does happen... It is announced and, and we're all made aware. But, you know, we are all tested every 14 days. You know, we can't perform otherwise. More than anybody in the world. More than anybody gets tested. So I don't think it happens that often, you know. But as you said, it's a numbers game. We we are having sex so frequently with, with so many different partners that it's bound to happen. And you said that everyone then finds out about it is because they know that that is sometimes kind of a hazard of having sex. It just mm-hmm. can happen. It's yeah. a risk. Does it 
hurt you in any way as far as your career goes? Or is it just like, okay, you can't do that shoot today? Oh, no, you you are everything on the books is canceled, you know, because you have to be treated and then you have to to wait until the, the medicine runs through your system and then you have to get retested. So it isn't until that second test is clear that you're allowed back on set. So in, in a situation like like that in terms of, of, of a job, you know, one minute you have a seven day stretch lined up and then you get it, your test results back and the next everything's canceled and now now you just sit around and wait. Mm. You know, so very quickly things can come to a screeching halt. Yeah, yeah. So you you have to prepare for that. Once again, another occupational hazard. There are there are a lot of these that mm-hmm. you don't know about getting into the business, right. but after you're in it for, I'd say a, at least a year, then you you realize that there are all these things that you need to to be aware of and you need to take precautions for. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Can we talk about your parents for a minute? Yeah, okay. Because they're so sweet. <laughs> the way you write about them, I was really touched how accepting that they were of your work. Not like they were like, this is our dream we've always had for you. But but in uh-huh. a very, as long as, you know, you're our son and we want you to be happy and to be okay. And, and I think somebody even said, just don't hurt anyone, which I thought was like yeah. a really caring thing to say. And, and I hear that a lot. I hear, I hear a lot of people like, hey, so long as you're not hurting anybody. You can do whatever you want. And is that because they think that's just a general value? Or is it because people think that if you're in porn, there's a high t- tendency to hurt people? I don't know. It might be a little bit of both because there is, you know, obviously there's a lot of social stigma surrounding porn. And a lot of people are under the impression that most of us, the women especially, are are forced into it. And in my experience, in my six plus years of working full time in the industry, um, that has not been my experience. Mm, yeah. You know, we we are all in charge of of what we do with our bodies, and and if we don't want to be there, then just say no. Yeah. It's very easy to speak up and say no. Often, I understand people are afraid to because there could be repercussions. But in our business, consent is is very important. And, and we seem to understand that. I mean, sex workers in general understand that, I think, more than anyone else, that it has to be explicit. Yeah, I think so, too. And I didn't grow up understanding any of that about the sex industry. But since I started writing about sexuality and, and health, which is about 10 years ago, and then like about five years ago, started Girl Boner. And every sex worker I've met, I mean, they're all really tend to be really empowered people who mm-hmm. are making choices for themselves and feel really respected and have learned a lot and also see it as activism almost. I I feel like there's a lot of confusion and we don't need to get deep into this because it's like a really heavy topic. Yeah, but the whole deep. like sex trafficking is not porn. Yeah, no, <laughs> I just want to put that out there. there. It's completely different. And it drives me nuts that people lump that all together. Right. And, and certain people just refuse to hear the voices of those involved, which I think is just insane. So disrespectful. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, your opinion matters. But because we're in the thick of it, yeah. all of a sudden we've lost sight of, of fact and, and truth. Yeah. But um, so what you just said about being empowered and, and feeling very um, independent and that is is – I when you're coming out to your parents about doing it that is very important to to maintain the sense of independence and confidence and and make it clear that that you are conscious of your decisions and that's that's what i did obviously well 
what you've read, but hopefully you didn't exactly uh, come out. It came I, out at you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> someone someone took the responsibility away from me. But once it was presented to me that they were aware, I wasn't going to hide it. I wasn't going to pretend to be ashamed because I'm not. And that confidence, I think, is is really what you know. They love me no matter what. And I, even though we were Irish Catholic, my parents were always very liberal. So when they found out what I was doing, yeah, we, we agreed to sort of disagree where they say, well, it's not exactly what we wanted for you, but so long as you're happy and, and, and you're financially stable and you're healthy, then we're not going to tell you not to do it. You know, we just want you to be happy. So. And you took them to the Avian Awards. Yeah, my first one. I did. To the red carpet. <laughs> and they had a blast and went to bed. <laughs> yeah, after. yeah. They, they do it very early. They're, they're usually in bed by like 7 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> so. so then it was really sweet that they stayed, not only stayed mm. up for you, they came out, they they were at a, a porn industry event and seemed to have a really good time. Yeah, I, I mean, they must have felt like and they, you were, won they there. were on the moon. I did, I did, which is also, I mean, that's why I brought them because I knew... In the back of my mind, I was like, I know this mm. is this is it. Like, this is great. This is their first introduction, my my official introduction into the industry, and I would like them to just see it for what it is. And and the truth is, I guess people have a lot of um you know misconceptions, of course. But the award show is is not X rated, you know. It's it's R rated, so it isn't like I exposed them to. You didn't get up and do a porn scene, to right? Like, award yeah. Or... There's you know. There's no nudity during the uh, the award show itself, so it was it was acceptable. Professional, and they yeah. can see that this is a business, and he's being appreciated for his work and acknowledged. And yeah, and I introduced him to a lot of people who who I had met, and they had a good time. They That's had a good awesome. time, so I, I would not change that. I, th- I think that was defining a defining moment. That's for awesome. Us. So it seems like so much of your sexual journey, because it's pretty much involved porn since day one, mm-hmm. has it? Yeah. And obviously, that shapes many different things, I suppose, allowed you to express yourself in lots of different ways, led to all these uh, wonderful career opportunities. Do you feel like your sexual kind of desires and fantasies would be much different if you, let's say, you didn't get so into porn or at least didn't go into it as a career? Because obviously, you know, you write about in the book doing like gangbangs and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. and, and some really kind of like very edgy stuff. Is that stuff that you feel like you might have gotten into? Um, probably not physically. I don't think I would have participated in anything like that. But, I mean, so long as I was watching it and I and – I, if I, if I continued, like, if, if my adolescence happened the way it did, but instead of going into porn, I, I continued with something more traditional, um, I think I would probably hide a lot of my fantasies. Mm. I, I, you know, because being in, in surrounded by the people that, I, that I'm surrounded by and being in the industry that I'm in, you know, we're encouraged to really embrace that inner pervert and, and just be open. So if I was in a more square, you know, area, I, I would probably feel really oppressed. Mm. And then they they fester, and I feel like yeah. they can become these, because fetishes can be wonderful, but they can also become insidious if they're if they're kind of guarded in shame. Exactly, exactly. So, I, I mean, I don't know what type of person I would be today if that's the path I took, but 
yeah, there would be a lot of stuff hidden underneath. And it, as you said, it would be festering and, and growing. And I don't know. I don't know what, what would become of me. Man. So I loved reading about your passion for writing. I feel like you have these two passions. You have mm-hmm. two vocational passions. Yeah. And there is a point in your book where you essentially decide, like, I'm going to go a real straight and narrow path in the, like I'm going to focus on my work. I I don't want to take certain kinds of like drugs and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm just going to really focus. And there's a point around that time where you sit down and you start writing. Yeah. Tell us about that transformation in your life. Um, well, leading up to that, like you said, uh, I was indulging in, in a lot of like weekend psychedelic use and I was having a lot of frivolous hookups. And of course at the time, yeah, oh, this is so much fun. This is, this is great. But then there was always a come down uh, to both of them and I'd be alone and I'd feel like, what am I doing with my life? Um, you know, what, what do I have to show for, for my time? And, and what is the future going to entail? Like, what, what am I creating now that is going to, to outlast me, you know, in, in a way. Um, with that, um, the last time I, I took shrooms, had a pretty bad experience. You know, I was just flooded with a lot of... Um, was this when you woke up and you weren't sure where you were? No, 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 no. That was the first time. This is where um, I'm with my friends in in this valley house, and they're arguing, and I just have all these strange insecurities kind of bubbling and and I I for for a minute my breathing at least in my mind it stopped so I thought I was going to die um but I didn't you know and I didn't take a lot it's not like I I was really over indulgent I actually took less than you know a usual amount um but I just felt really scared so I took that fear and and I just started channeling you know, I've I've been a writer my whole life. Um, growing up, I used to write a lot of short stories and like small screenplays and stuff. So it was always a passion of mine. But since getting into porn, it kind of took a back seat. I was more focused on performing and and living that that porn life, so to speak. That I I kind of forgot about it. But in that moment, I just was flooded with all these thoughts, and I really just wanted to commit them to paper and get them out of my head. So I started journaling, and that was awakening. Um, because up until that point, I never really journaled. I always wrote fiction, and I waited until something kind of just fell into my lap, and I was like, oh, that's great. Let me write that down. But I just started writing about what was happening in the moment and and what my day-to-day experiences were like in the business because, as as we've discussed, people outside of the industry don't really understand what happens in the industry. They They have their own conjured up fantasies about what life must be like but I just wanted to to just write the day to day and that persisted for a while um, got to the point where I, I had a library of what would become source material and I thought well hey something can become of this maybe I should transcribe it and synthesize it and try and shape it into you know something palatable and something that someone who isn't interested in porn or or anything like that, they can still pick it up and they can f- they can relate to it and they can hopefully, you know, humanize this this industry that's been. I was going to say yeah. it's very human. Yeah, and your I, story is very. And human. I wanted to keep it like very grounded, 
you know, I didn't want to go too over the top or be too braggadocious about anything. I just wanted it to be like, hey, this is this you is take the way life journey. is. Yeah, it's like here is here's here's what I'm doing. This is what this is my journey has been. Yeah, up to that point, you know, the book yeah. ends after my first year. You know, now I'm over six years in. So a lot more has happened and a lot of greatness has happened and a lot of darkness has happened as well. So I just want to continue bringing, shedding light on that darkness, I guess, and, 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 and the good parts too and just continue to humanize it because we are people, sex workers are people, we have stories to tell and people should listen. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that the arts are such a beautiful way to get those messages across and challenge people's beliefs yeah. Not only around sex workers, but sexuality as a whole. I feel like listening more to sex workers benefits so many facets of our society. Could you give us yeah. a, a little hint at what might be coming up next that's different in your second um, piece of the trilogy? Well, in between, in between uh, novels, there's a book of poetry coming out that uh, will hopefully be released June. Perhaps, um, and that's sort of like to bridge the gap between books. Is this porn poetry? Well, it's poetry that was written by a porn performer, <laughs> but about all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, about all kinds of things. I mean, some of it does deal with onset. A lot of it deals with um, crippling loneliness. <laughs> I could say, like it, it gets, it gets pretty again. dark. Yeah. yeah, and some of it I look at now and I think, wow, where was I? You know, what what was I thinking then? But I, I want to maintain that because it's such a, a time capsule and a snapshot of of what my life was like at, at that point in time. And, you know, personally, I, I tend to gravitate more towards darkness. You know, growing up, horror films and, and crime dramas and everything like that, that was more of my forte. So I don't want to... I don't want to make it seem like I've I've had a tough life because I haven't, you know, and I'm thankful for every day that I'm in this business. But, you know, you have you just have these thoughts. I have these thoughts and I wanted to commit them to paper. So which is great. I, I think them. I think so many people who work in creative businesses. That darkness is part of the artistry, too. Yeah, I found that to be true. Yeah. Which is. It's good and it's bad because sometimes I will, I will look for that. You know, I will want to to feel sad because it does help conjure up a lot of like strong imagery. But at the same time, that's not really healthy. You know, I should be able to do that while still being very happy. If but you, when I'm happy, I don't write. I'll put it that way. I gotcha. You know? Yeah, yeah. I I'm that way with songwriting. Like I don't. It's just a very, very, very on the side hobby I occasionally dip into. But if I'm going through a rough patch, it just pours out. I exactly. mean, yeah, sometimes sometimes we have to feelings can be so large mm -hmm. that just regular feeling of it, talking about it isn't enough. And I think sometimes it has to come out. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be yeah. wanting to, to jump out onto the page and you just have to be ready to, to commit it when yeah. when it's ready. Hopefully you would never have to choose, but I'm curious if you did have to choose, let's say for the next year, to only write or only do porn, do you love one more or just differently? Yeah, I mean, I, I would choose writing. If if I could make a living from it, yeah, absolutely, because I can conjure up anything I want. 
you know, in, in porn as a performer, I'm a vessel. So as an actor, you just, you show up, you, you do the part that's written for you and, and that's it. You're a hired gun. But as a writer, I can start from scratch. I can create a completely new world, you know, and then I can bring readers into this world and transport them to another place. That is freedom. That is joy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would pick that any day. I feel you there. That's beautiful. What do you hope most people take away from your your book? So tell us the full title mm-hmm. so people, because it's, it's fabulous. Okay. The uh, title is Between the Sheets, Rise of a Working Stiff. It is <laughs> such a good title. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you think so. <laughs> it's great. It's great. What do you hope people take away? <clears throat> take away. Well, I think what, what we talked about earlier, that we're humans. Sex workers are, are are people just like anyone else. They they shouldn't be um, ostracized or or left out of the conversation. And what I what I hope to achieve with with these books and and my writing in general is just that. God, I don't know. I I, I keep going back to that idea that that we're just people. Yeah, that, yeah. It yeah, comes through. It yeah, does. It's, you know, yeah. our like I said, our jobs are extraordinary. To an extent, but our lives are just as mundane as everyone else's. Yeah, I was thinking you could actually take out if you took out the porn in your book and inserted another job, which would actually be really <laughs> yeah. comical. You should do that for like a uh-huh. comedy sketch or something. Uh, it would still work. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's different because it does bring some really unique things to the table. There are not many jobs where you are naked or having sex during the job. However, yeah. there are Can a I lot of things about it that are. Every day. Yeah. Very, um, and that your experience within it, I think that's one of the big keys is that, is is knowing that sex workers are, are human beings who are functioning and, you know, having these feelings that everybody else has and that we're all much more alike than we are different. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So what's next for you and where can people find out about all of your awesomeness? Okay. Well, the uh, book of poetry, like I said, should be out in uh, early June. That's next on the horizon. And uh, you can find Between the Sheets in paperback and audiobook form on Amazon, iTunes, Audible, and you can get signed paperbacks at whoislogan.com. And everybody, if you read it, please, please leave a review. It sucks that we have to ask for them. It's never fun, but I'm going to ask for you so you don't have to. Please review Logan's book. Post a review. It helps so much with sales. It helps with everything. And it only takes a few minutes. So, yeah. Well, congratulations again. Thank you for sharing your story with with the world and for joining me here today. It's It's been really um, insightful. I felt like your book was insightful, and I do think it's making an impact. Oh, thank you for having me. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please subscribe on iTunes. And, yeah, leave a review while you're there. You can also follow along on Spotify. Just search for Girl Boner Radio and extras at augustmclaughlin.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful girl boner embracing week.